Don't listen to too much advice. If you find something that you love, just go for it. doesn't matter if it's going to make you a ton of money right away. You'll eventually figure it out. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. And today we're going to be talking to an investor who invests in an asset class that, well, we haven't come across before. How you doing, Bruce Dickinson? Hey, Joe. How's it going? Glad hey. to be on the podcast today. Yeah, nice to have you on the show and looking forward to digging in. And a little bit about Bruce. He buys distressed theme parks across the nation. He is the owner of more than $15 million worth of theme parks that are distressed over 20 parks across the country, uh, actually nationwide, from California to Mexico, based in Tyler, Texas. With that being said, Bruce, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, no, thanks, Joe. That's a great introduction. I'm based here in Tyler, Texas. I was pretty much born and raised my whole life here in Texas. Um, attended uh, Tyler High School here in Tyler, Texas. Got lucky enough to get accepted into uh, old Texas A&M. I'm a proud Aggie. So I think my whole life I've kind of been a little bit of that entrepreneur, always trying to do my own thing. Never really was the nine-to-five office guy, if you know what I'm saying. So always trying to find a little bit of way to make money, and I kind of fell into the old theme park business, and it's been doing pretty well. Yeah, that's what I'm so curious about. You've piqued my curiosity with your background. Now, I want to talk all about how you buy distressed theme parks, but how did you fall into the theme park business? How did you get into it in the first place? 
it's a kind of a funny story. So I know a lot of people know theme parks and water parks have been, a, you know, a pretty much a, a family gathering place all around the United States. There are thousands and thousands of theme parks and water parks around the U.S. Unfortunately, not all of them are run with the best management. A lot of them are left to kind of rot away. So a lot of the maintenance is not kept. And unfortunately, people get hurt. Insurance ends up kind of taking that business down. So it was a rundown water park by the name of Waterworks. It was just a couple of miles away from Tyler, Texas. And one day, my brother and I, we were actually, we hopped the gates and it was just running around that theme park. And we were skateboarding up and down the water slides and drinking some beers and the drained pools and everything. It was a pretty good time. I think I fell in love with it. And I figured like, man, this would be great if I could own me a couple of these. So I ended up buying that one shortly after college and started making a little revenue on it. So you happen to be living next to the theme park, and it was abandoned. That's funny. You, you were drinking beers and hanging out, uh, trespassing on the theme park. Well, Joe, there's nobody there to stop us. I wouldn't say <laughs> trespassing as much as it was just a couple kids having a good time. <laughs> so you visited the theme park, and then you said you bought it. Well, why did you buy it? There's a lot of questions I have, but first one would be, why did you buy it? That's the easiest question of them all. Why did I buy it? Because I had so much fun there, and I wanted to keep living the dream. <laughs> and uh, you know, shortly after I bought it, here's the thing. These type of water parks that are run down, they're just sitting there. A lot of times the banks or the owners, they're trying to just get them off the books. So that's where I come in. I buy them up pretty cheap. And little do you know that there's still a lot of functioning equipment and a functioning like scrap metal and other things you can do with the land, not only the land, but everything else that comes along with buying something like that. So after buying it, I shortly realized, man, I got to figure out how to start making some money off of this. So what I first started doing is just I started charging people to come in and kind of do whatever they want there. So it was pretty cool. I, it was sort of like this natatorium in this particular water park. I started renting that thing out for like $10,000 a month. No questions asked. I'm not quite sure what they do in there, but they've been pretty good tenants for about the last 10 years. Educate me. I should be able to Google this, I know, but just what is a natatorium? I'm not familiar with that. I should know, I'm sure. Damn it, Joe, it's an indoor pool. Ah, it's an indoor pool. Got it. Okay, so there's an indoor pool that you rented out for how much? 10000 a month? Yes, sir. I was approached by other local entrepreneurs. They needed a place to run their business. They couldn't quite give me some of the specifics. And the heck, I didn't really care about the specific. I needed to make a little money. They say, oh, for 10 grand a month. So I said, there you go, man. It's all mm -hmm. yours. And how I'll long leave you alone. How long have they been renting that for 10K a month? Roughly 10 years. And how much did you pay for the waterworks? $65,000. Holy cow. That's, yeah, uh, I, that's some I got return a, right there. 10000 Yep. That thing is paid for itself many times over. Wow. It's great. So a lot of times what I'll do now is I make rounds to the functioning theme parks and water parks. A lot of times these guys, their equipment breaks all the time. If I were you, don't ever visit a theme park. Don't ever get on a roller coaster. These things are some of the most unsafe things I've ever seen. I know from experience. I know probably because I've sold you guys. They're all secondhand safety straps. They're all secondhand motors and engines on there. Heck, because that's where I pretty much sold all that stuff to them. Wow. So theme parks buy the equipment from you, and you're getting the equipment from these rundown theme parks? Yeah, you wouldn't imagine to see how much of this stuff has just been left to sit there. And most of it is still working and functioning. just needs a little bit of a power wash, pressure wash. It looks clean as new. Heck, uh, I sell it sometimes almost looking brand new. But yeah, man, like I said, these 
theme parks operate under very tight margins, so they're not looking to go out there and buy a whole new roller coaster if the brakes just suddenly stop working. They'll go out there and find any brakes that'll just, as long as they get the thing to stop and people don't die, heck, they're still up and running. Mm, Yeah, that will give me pause next time I go to a theme park. You mentioned scrap metal. I know with apartments, we talk about the number of doors or units that the community has. With mobile home parks, it's the number of lots. And I've heard that with theme parks, it's number of slides. Like it's like, okay, I'm buying a theme park. We got 57 slides. And that's how you basically say how large a theme park is. Is that how you measure it as well? When it comes to scrap metal, most of the water slides were made out of like uh, carbon fiber. Uh-huh. So the scrap metal is going to come from your like, roller coasters and also the support beams actually holding up your water slides. So the more intricate any sort of roller coaster or water slide is, heck, the more scrap metal is going to be in there, the more that thing is worth to me. Mm, okay. And how do you know which slides you should scrap versus which slides you should keep for different tours and other things that you might use the property for for the most part if the slide's falling down it's probably one's got to go if it's holding up pretty good i'll leave it there because we also rent it out to the local skateboarding community mm. the skateboarders love these rundown water parks the slides they take their <laughs> i don't know how they do it it's pretty dangerous if you ask me but they take their skateboards right down the water slide <laughs> and it's pretty funny to watch i went out there one day watched them one of the kids got banged up a little bit but i think he was all right so, so far, we've identified three revenue streams. One is selling scrap metal. Two is renting the indoor pool. And three is renting it to a skateboard community. Do you have any other revenue streams for the theme park? All kinds of party promoters coming through town. I don't know if you're familiar with the Lollapaloozas mm-hmm. and those type of festivals. Lollapalooza and those festivals, when they first started, they were looking for local venues. Obviously, those are much more established type of festivals now. But there's like the EDM festivals and all these other smaller, weird goth festivals. And then festivals where people just run around in their underpants and paint their bodies. And I don't know what they're doing. But they need places to do their little festival, man. So I'll rent out the park to them and let them do it in one of the abandoned wave pool, man. Well, the other day, we had about 19,000 people over there. Wow. Let's talk about the other water parks or theme parks that you have because you've mentioned four different revenue streams, which I didn't think that you'd be able to be cash flow positive on, but you clearly are doing really well, especially with the one with the indoor pool, $10,000 a month when you paid $60,000 to acquire it. How do you identify if a theme park, because you're in Tyler, Texas. How do I identify if a theme park, because I know you have property in Mexico and all across the country, what revenue streams that particular theme park is going to generate? Because it sounds like it's very local. It's like dependent on the local economy. That's true. It depends on the local economy a little bit, but it also, like I said, there's these traveling festivals. You get in good with those guys. Those guys know everybody in all these different local markets. So being able to kind of find those different revenue streams with those guys, this is pretty easy. One of the most famous rundown theme parks, I don't know if you ever heard of the Six Flags and the Astro World, the one in Houston. Yep. Woo, that's a big one. That one cost me about $350,000. But, you know, I've sold a lot of scrap metal from that thing. I just kept like the, uh, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on one of the, the, the coasters over there. I think it was called the uh, the Viper. That thing's still operational, man. Sometimes I go there with my family. We just strap it up and keep going. What type of liability insurance 
slash waivers do you make sure that you have in place? If any, I don't know. I'd... Legally, you're supposed to have a lot. But wait, here's the thing, man. You grease up the right politicians around here, throw a little bit of money their way, but they'll kind of turn the blind eye. So I wouldn't say I spend a whole lot on it. I think that's where people get caught up in the whole legality of it all. But I've been operating just fine with very minimal insurance at this moment. That sounds risky, and it just doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound like you're – You know what's not right, Joe? Paying insurance every single month, every single year for how many years in a row have nothing happen, and then all of a sudden one time one thing happens, and all of a sudden your insurance premiums go through the roof. You tell me that's right. That's highway robbery, if you ask me. You know, one thing you might want to look at, I've interviewed a guest who talks about how he creates his own insurance company. And you have a monthly payment, but you pay it to yourself. And then if there is an event that happens where you have to pay out, then you're covered by another insurance company. So your insurance company is being insured by another company and all your payments go in there. But it's only if you are, I think, paying more than $350,000 in insurance on an annual basis. Well, I had to look into that. I don't know, but that sounds like a lot of money. I've been operating pretty good just the way I have been, but... I'll look into that. Maybe off the air you can set me up this gentleman. So you've got over 20 theme parks from Texas, California, Mexico. How do you manage them? I get a couple of local people to manage them. Really depending. There's not a big demand for people wanting to work in these type of places. But heck, I sure do pay good. I'm pretty flexible. The hours are great. So I've kind of go in there and I find some local teenagers that I can really trust. And just kind of hand them the keys and say, hey, man, the more money you can make for me, the more money you make for yourself. And then I'm constantly on the road, uh, swinging by, checking in. Sometimes I don't even let them know. I'll just come check in and see what they got going on. But again, they've been pretty good so far. Uh, I let them hire and fire their own employees. So uh, I like to delegate when it comes to my management skills. What are some lessons learned along the way as a distressed theme park owner? Well, one big lesson, if you don't know how to skateboard, don't try to skateboard down a water slot. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Oh, my God, I got so many splinters in my backside. Oh, man. Other things is, you know, just kind of be careful of who you're getting into business with because sometimes people are trying to take you for a, the proverbial ride, if you know what I'm saying. I think just kind of make sure you go in there, do your due diligence of what has been in there because uh, a lot of times these theme parks, they've been sitting there too long. People go in there and they do a lot of picking. But they'll get all the good stuff out of there. Look, they'll get all the motors and the engines and the box cars and, and everything like that. You want to make sure that all the cables from the bungee cord swing and everything, you want to make sure those are all there because those, I mean, heck, you, you get some bungee cord cables. You sell those to somebody else, maybe you get about $50,000 just for some good functioning bungee cords as long as they're about 200 feet. Some pretty good stuff. Mm. So, yeah, just you got to be careful. Go in there, do due diligence, make sure that all the stuff is there. You want to make sure you hire some people. So you want somebody always there, patrolling the lot, making sure nobody's there, coming by, picking your stuff. Yeah, man. It's hard work, man, but somebody out there has got to be able to move this scrap metal. There's other functioning theme parks that need to barely make it by, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Until they shut down, then I'll buy it up. <laughs> Bruce, based on your experience as a distressed theme park investor, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? Don't listen to too much advice. If you find something that you love, just go for it. doesn't matter if it's going to make you a ton of money right away. You'll eventually figure it out. That's what I did. I eventually figured out. I started small time local and then started working my way up big time. And heck, maybe one day you can also own Astro World. Once I do my run there, I might put that up for sale. So I say just follow your gut. Don't listen to too many other people. So a lot of times they're going to try to hold you back and try to get at what you're getting at. 
You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Previous best ever guest Paul Moore has a book and it's called The Perfect Investment Create Enduring Wealth from the Historic Shift to Multifamily Housing. If you're ready to profit from this unprecedented shift, then go get the book. It's on Amazon or Paul's website, WellingsCapital.com. Bruce, what's the best ever book you've read? The Bible best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it best ever personal growth experience is if you're going to be breaking and entering into a place make sure you can run faster than your friend because they're going to catch one of you (laughs) i think for legal reasons i probably shouldn't ask that way it doesn't incriminate you right no, no, sir. It's been, I think the statute of limitations has long expired. All right. Well, what happened? I'll, I'll bite. Again, like this was the very beginning of- uh, This was you know, Waterworks? There. This was Waterworks, man. We were uh, breaking and entering. I was there with my little brother. And sure enough, we were riding bicycles around the bumper car area. And one of them security officers came rolling up on us. And I made it out. I, <laughs> I didn't hear from my brother for about three days, but he eventually made it out. I'm just curious, on that $10,000 that you're making a month for renting the indoor pool, what are your expenses? I'm just wondering what the cash flow is. What are your expenses on that 10000 To be honest, as long as the electricity works, that's all they care about. I'm not allowed to go in there. To be honest, I wouldn't want to really mess with those boys. They don't seem like they're really up to much good, but they're doing their thing. They got the entrepreneurial spirit as well. So they're doing their thing. I, I kind of stay out of it. Just make sure the electricity's working. Best ever way you like to give back? I'll tell you what, Joe, I'm not really that much of a giver backer. I give back by giving people jobs, and that's pretty much it. I feel like I'm a pretty fair business owner, and I get back by maintaining these pretty much dumpy theme parks that they got going on in their towns. I'm not really much of that. I, like, I'll go eat at the local diner. I think that's pretty good. Thinking back on a deal that you've made with the theme parks, what's a mistake along the way that you've made that you want to share? I don't know. There's a lot of mistakes. I think a lot of times people, they want to get you into some bad agreements, some bad negotiations. A lot of times they'll not want you to kind of take a tour of the park where you make that final agreement and final payment. One time I trusted this guy a little bit too much. So I bought the water park, ended up turning out, man, there wasn't much left for me when I got in there. So I was able to turn that land over and kind of sell it for just a little bit more than I bought it for. So it ended up being okay. And where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? You want to get in touch with me? I do a comedy show every Thursday night in New York City <laughs> at a bar in Hell's Kitchen called The Gaff. Uh, you can find all that information at www.bombsheltercomedy.club. We got the Bomb Shelter Comedy Festival coming up in April 12th through the 15th, man. It's going to be a good time. We got some pretty big time comedians Mark Norman, Anthony DeVito, Marina Franklin, Sean Lynch. These guys have all been on national TV. Wait, I got to stop. So best ever listeners, April Fool's, baby. (laughs) April Fool's. This is not Bruce Dickinson. This is Matt Azark, and he is not a distressed theme park investor, nor is he a 
investor in real estate, but he is a stand-up comedian in New York City. And yeah, man. I think your listeners probably are quick enough to catch on that everything that I was saying is pretty much just kind of pulling out of my butt. So yeah, man, I've uh, been doing stand-up comedy for a long time. So uh, if you're in New York City, come on out, man. We're going we're gonna to make it happen at this Bomb Shelter Comedy Festival. It's going to be great. You can, uh, you, can, you can check out all the details at bombsheltercomedy.club. Awesome. And that will be in the show notes link, bombsheltercomedy.club. Matt, thanks for doing another April Fool's Day episode. I think it was it last year or two years ago. I think it was two years ago. Yeah, two did, years ago. Yeah, yeah, you did an episode. You were Ted Winters. And Ted Winters, and we described a Ponzi, Ponzi scheme, scheme, I believe. Yes, yes. And I got very angry messages from people on bigger pockets via email on Twitter and they said they're like he's describing a Ponzi scheme why don't you realize that and I was like listen to the whole episode please and then they're like oh my bad so if you want another good April Fool's Day episode just search Ted Winters Joe Fairless, and you'll be able to hear all about a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, and I run a comedy podcast. It's a weekly podcast called Cart Talk with Matt and Chris. It's like golf cart, not car. I know that there's a car talk. I didn't know that when I created this podcast. So anyway, it's Cart Talk with Matt and Chris. You can find that on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. You can find it all over the place. It's a once-a-week episode. So check us out there as well. Awesome. Matt slash Bruce Dickinson, Matt Azark, glad you came on the show and hope you have a best ever day. And you sound like you are a legitimate theme park investor, so maybe you've missed your calling. I actually have broken into a couple rundown water parks <laughs> and did some skateboarding and actually did wipe out pretty hard. It's pretty dangerous stuff. Don't go playing around in a rundown theme parks. So you will definitely get hurt. And we'll end it on that. Thanks a lot, Matt. Talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Previous best ever guest, Paul Moore, has a book, and it's called The Perfect Investment, Create Enduring Wealth from the Historic Shift to Multifamily Housing. If you're ready to profit from this unprecedented shift, then go get the book. It's on Amazon or Paul's website, wellingscapital.com.